morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to do my talk today from Romans 10. Um, while you're turning there, I just wanted to say what a huge privilege it is to be here this morning. I don't take it lightly. Um, so here we go, Romans 10. Starting at verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they save him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless they're being sent? I took this 10-minute talk as if I'd only ever get 10 minutes of a mic. So, so this is kind of it. I think this is the real key passage in the whole Bible for me. Um, the book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome. And in this particular part of the book, ch- uh, chapters 9 to 11, Paul is talking to them about how the nation of Israel has rejected God and Jesus, but some of the Gentiles are believing in him. And so that everyone, when he starts with the word everyone, what Paul is referring to is he's referring to the Jewish people and to the non-Jewish Gentiles. But everyone means so much more than that, doesn't it? Everyone means everyone. In more traditional versions of the Bible, they use the word whosoever, which I really love. It's such a, such a totally descriptive word. So we can be a whosoever if we're old or young, if we're rich, if we're poor, if we've had a really good upbringing or it's been really, really tough for us. Whatever we are, we can be a whosoever. I was a whosoever when I was 11 years old. Come from a really loving home, non-Christian home, but a really loving home. But outside of that home, I'd faced some abuse. And aged 11, I felt completely unlovable. And it was then I first heard about Jesus and I called out to him and I was saved. And so I just know anyone here today, anyone online, anyone becomes part of everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In his um, paraphrase, the message, Eugene Peterson puts it really well. He says this, verse 13. Everyone who calls help, God gets help. And that always reminds me of a picture of a man drowning, just struggling to drown in and then getting help. And I just love that picture of it. I nearly drowned once. <laughs> Great. We were, we were on holiday, my husband and I were on holiday in a place called Fertiventura, and we're taking a day trip down to the beach. And we'd gone down to the south of the island, and it was a beautiful sunny day, and the beach was gloriously sandy and sunny, and it was, it was empty. It was just, Angie and I were there, and a few other people on the coach ship, and there were all the, the only other people there were just a few naked old people. I don't know why. It's always, it's always whenever you go and see naked people swimming, they're always old. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> we decided that we were safer in the port water than on the beach. Um, so we went for a swim. Andy went off and he was off swimming professionally. And I was just, to be honest with you, I was just messing around in the water, enjoying the sun tingling and burning my nose slightly and just enjoying myself. And I'm playing around. Then all of a sudden, my foot slipped. At the ground again below me and my foot slipped. And I went down under the water and I twisted my knee as I went. And I was in agony and I couldn't stand up. And I just thought, what am I going to do? And I couldn't do anything. And I suddenly thought, I can't save myself. I tried to balance. It wasn't working. So instinctively, I shouted out for my husband, Andy, Andy. And so I'm going, Andy, Andy. And he swims over and he helps me. He grabs me. I remember he grabbed me unceremoniously by the straps. And he dragged me off to the shore like he's David Hasselhoff. And I, <laughs> was, and, I was, and I survived. And I was really grateful. I don't think I've ever been more grateful than that moment. But really, do you know what? In its very essence, the gospel is exactly that. It's the same three steps. It's easy as that. Step one. Realise you can't save yourself. Realise that you've made a mess up of the world of your life and you just can't save yourself and you need help. 
Step one. Step two, realise that Jesus can help us, that through his death on the cross and through his resurrection, he can and he is able to save us. So that's just step one, realising you need help. Step two, realising God can save you. And then step three, pulling that together. And that's calling on the name of the Lord because the Bible tells us everyone, whether it's me when I was 11, whether it's you, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know, I realise that lots of us, many of us here today have already done that. We've already called out to the Lord. We're already saved. We're already following him. And I think for us, the real challenge is, is verse 14 when it says that. And how can the people call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will they, anyone go unless without being sent? We all have people, don't we? Every single one of us who is a Christian has people in our lives who um, don't know Jesus. So every one of us has got somebody we can tell. One of our family's favourite films is Forrest Gump. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's our favourite. We quote it all the time to each other. It's a great film. But there's a really uh, touching scene. I find it's actually a scene in uh, the film where Forrest is visiting his friend, Lieutenant Dan. They're spending Christmas together and they're watching some sort of military carol service. And Lieutenant Dan sarcastically turns to Gump and he says, have you found Jesus, Gump? And Gump turns around and just says, I didn't realise I was meant to be looking for him, sir. (laughs) Which makes me giggle too. But how true is it? How many people do we know who just don't know Jesus? We live in a society, let's be honest, where people don't know the Bible. They they might know the nativity version of Jesus, but they don't know the real Jesus. And how are they going to know unless we tell them? How are they going to know unless we tell them? So this is my 10 talk challenge today. If I ever gave anyone one challenge, it's this. Pick one person. Just one person. You might know instantly who that is, or God, you might need God to tell you who that is. And if I had a pen, if we had pens and papers, I'd be asking you to write that name down on a piece of card. Obviously, we can't do that today, but I'd encourage you when you go home to write that person's name down. Two things. Firstly, pray for them. Pray that they'll be open to what you've got to say and that that you'll be able to get the opportunity to speak to them. And secondly, just do it. Speak to them. Tell somebody you know about Jesus in the next month. Now, I know know the very first thing some of you are thinking is that that's really scary. And it is. It's really scary to tell people about Jesus. But I find it really interesting. This verse, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, is found in two places in the um, New Testament. It's actually a quote of the um, Apostle Joel in the Old Testament, and it's quoted twice in the New Testament. First time is here in Romans 10, or second time actually, because it's second, but the, the other time it's mentioned is on the day of Pentecost. We'll be celebrating Pentecost in, in two weeks' time. It'll be a great day of celebration when we remember that God gave the Holy Spirit to the church. So every single one of us who's here today, who's a Christian, has the Holy Spirit living with us. And he he does many good things in our life. But one of the things he does is he equips us and enables us to share with people. So I get that it's scary, but we have the Holy Spirit in with us. The other thing I'd say as well, the other thing I'd say about sharing the gospel is it doesn't have to be clever. It doesn't have to be eloquent. I'm not eloquent or clever. clever. It just needs to be authentic. If we authentically share with others, then they are going to listen and they're going to want to learn. So I would start, if it was me, I'd start with just sharing my story. Just tell people about how God has changed your life, how being a Christian makes a difference in your everyday 
being. But just tell someone, just pray for that one person and tell them this month. And if you're somebody listening who hasn't responded to the call of Jesus, who hasn't made that call, I just would say today's the perfect day. If life seems like you're paddling along but really you're drowning, because actually, do you know what, we all are drowning sometimes, just call out to God. It's a perfect day to do it. It just starts with a simple help. I'm so grateful that when I was 11 years old, I called out to God. And I just would encourage you to do that today. Because calling out for help for God. I just want to mention as well, if you do want to do that, we've got a prayer team out the, out the back in the cafe after the service. We'd happily talk to anyone who wants to know more. Our church is one of many churches in the country who run a brilliant course called Alpha. would encourage you to join Alpha course and learn out more about Jesus. Or talk to your friend or your family member who knows him. But don't leave it. Don't leave this morning without um, getting right with God if you realise you need to. Because everyone who calls out on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you. Let's just quietly pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you are a God who longs to save. I thank you that you're a God who responds to each and every person who calls on your name. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you will just really uh, stir each of us, Lord, whether it be to respond to you for the first time or whether it be to speak to that person that we, we know we need to. I just thank you that we get to play a part as Christians in telling others about you. Lord, may each and every one of us respond to this um, need to tell others today. Amen. I said I wasn't going to come up, but I'm going to. <laughs> the, uh, there's a lovely verse at the end of that that says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And uh, I think Claire came up to me a moment ago and just said, uh, that phrase, just do it, is also in my talk in a minute. So I feel like that's probably quite an important thing for us to kind of reflect on. So rather than kind of rush into to Claire's talk, uh, what I want you to do is just spend maybe a couple of minutes in your heart, in your head, and just think of that one person, because we're going to hear something completely different in a minute. They're going to link. They're going to link. They're going to be really great, because this is a God thing. It's fantastic. When you hear it, you'll be, you'll be amazed by it. But it could be easy to kind of ignore what that challenge by Emily for us, and just to move on to Claire's thing. Um, so what I'd like us to do is spend a couple of minutes now. I'm confident that most of us, maybe not all of us, but most of us will have one person already in mind when Emily was talking that we probably should feel like we should talk to about Jesus but like she said we are equipped by the Holy Spirit to do so and how beautiful are the feet you've got beautiful feet people by the way I don't even see your feet but I'm sure they're beautiful how beautiful are the feet right if you bring those you bring the good news of Jesus to those situations family members perhaps people that you struggled with the years to know Jesus perhaps you're even married to someone that doesn't believe I don't know perhaps you've got family members who don't believe perhaps you've got colleagues at work that don't believe they're not going to know. They're not going to know unless you speak to them about it. You don't have to be brilliant with words, which is great. That means God gets all the glory, not you. So just spend a couple of minutes now. Just keep lifting that name up to Jesus and saying this week, not this month, this week, this week, let's, let's spend a bit of time seeing if we can see that moment of the Holy Spirit where he just gives us a chance to speak to that person. Is that okay? Yeah? Just a couple of minutes in your head. There's no music going on, so it's complete peace. 
In fact, if you've got no one in your mind right now, you might just think, Holy Spirit, give me that person. But just pray into the situation. And then uh, Claire will come up in a couple of minutes and give us her talk. It's great, isn't it, that God has saved each one of us personally, but he's also saved us to then go and share that amazing news with other people. As Emily's just so helpfully challenged us, and I'm going to help us think a little bit more about that, what we're saved for, that going and sharing with others. I'm going to share some of my own personal journey that I've been on in the last couple of years, and also some of the beginnings of what God started to reveal and teach me that's really inspired me, and I pray that it will inspire some of you as well in your own individual contexts. So for me, it kind of all started to come together two years ago. On the final evening of my third mission trip to um, Greece, working with Elpitha Hope in Helkitha, on that final evening, we were all praying for one another. And as we prayed, Mount Morgan had a word for me. And that word was that a new beginning was coming. And while not stopping what I'm doing, there would be a change alongside it. I jotted that down in my journal from, from the trip and came back. And then a couple of weeks later, I hadn't told Jim about that word. We were on one of our full leadership team retreat days and praying for one another. And Jim had a picture of a room with blank canvases waiting for God to paint something new. So that was the beginnings of what God was starting to say. I then went off to Marwell Activity Centre, as I do most years with Year 6 at St John's School. And it was while I was there, I was chatting, interacting with the kids and the staff, that I really started to be challenged about how intentional I am about my faith when I'm on an international mission trip, but how completely opposite and how unintentional I am when I'm back here in the home mission field that God has placed me in every day. I'd always viewed mission as being something that was for abroad, and I've had the amazing privilege of being on several short-term mission trips, with going to Serbia with my last church, and then South Africa and Greece through being here. 
In fact, 11 years ago, I can't believe I've been here this long, but 11 years ago, as my job at my last church was ending, I was really praying and asking God what was going to be next. I explored going out to Serbia on a long-term mission basis. I also applied for two jobs, one working with Compassion and one working with Toybox International Mission Organizations. But God closed those doors and he opened the door to coming here. So let's get back to summer 2019 when the the Greece trip and being at Marwell and things were starting to stir. So I thought, right, okay, I can't just ignore this. God's definitely doing something in me. So I started to be much more intentional in my conversations, in interactions with people. And straight away, I was really encouraged to see my connections with families that I was getting to know through our activities and in in our community to deepen and open up further. And as I stepped out, my confidence started to grow. I was very good at saying, yep, I'll pray for you, meaning I'd pray for them later. And I really pushed myself to starting to offer to praying for people then and there. And It always still surprises me how many people actually say yes at that moment. There's one evening that I will never forget. Um, I was walking here to one of our encounter worship evenings and I walk through the park and often see people I know. I regularly leave extra time. In fact, I was late this morning because I'd bumped into somebody um, and was chatting to them. And usually I would just do a high cheery wave and walk on. But that evening, I saw a mum who was part of Academy and Messy Church. She was sat on the picnic table while her son was playing in the park. And with all that had been going on with me, I walked over and I sat down next to her. Um, I never did make it to encounter because as we started talking, she just opened up about her personal story in a way that she had never done when we'd been sat round tables at Messy Church. It wasn't just with people I knew either. Um, When I was in Greece, I would talk to people in the coffee shop queue and things like that. So I challenged myself to do that here. So I'm one of those nightmare people. Now, if you're in a queue with me, watch out because I will talk to you. So I started talking to people, talking to people who were serving me. And um, it was also with like academy and discovery parents found that people were hanging around after they'd registered their kids, waiting for opportunities to chat. For a while leading up to all of this, I'd been sort of really unsettled and asking the question, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be a way to go deeper with the families that we're connecting with. I had many conversations with Tim Hancock, one of our previous ministers, about it and never got any answers until recently when it all started to come together. So then, still in September 19, I was unexpectedly invited to go out to Greece on a six-week basis to work with Alpitha Hope. Part of the process to discern whether that was right for me and right for the church I'd be leaving here, it just, the door to that, it wasn't right, but actually what it did was just reinforce in me that sense that actually I'm called to here, I'm called to my home community. Yes, there's going to be opportunities for international mission trips that might be to Greece or other countries, but for now, my prime calling is to my home mission field here. We're going to fast forward six months now to March 2020, when the rest of the world was going into lockdown and we had that threat over us. Interestingly, if I had gone out to Greece, I would have been out in Greece when Greece and the whole of Europe went into lockdown. But I was here. And 
those who are at staff meeting on this day will be chuckling at this point, but to use Chris's words, I was bouncing around like Tigger. I just had, I was buzzing at the opportunity that lay before us to practically love and serve our community in these unusual times in new ways. And that's how Waypoint Hub was born, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and then, so yeah, this was sort of continuing in me throughout the last year. And then when Keith joined us in the autumn, he suddenly gave me language. He gave me words to what God had been stirring up in me, to what I'd been thinking and what I was, I'd been doing. He encouraged me to read books. I'm sure some of you, Keith, have been throwing books at you left, right, and center. And as I was reading those books, my heart just started racing. He also encouraged me to do an MA in missional leadership, which I have just started. So as the hub has been growing, so have I. My leadership style has been changing. My vision has been expanding, but not just for the hub. As we're restarting our children's work, I'm thinking, approaching, and leading it differently. But also, many of you know, will know that I'm a runner, and I'm part of a local running club. And when I'm out with my um, running club buddies, I'm now being much more intentional there. When most races, as they are with running, sailing, all sorts of things are on Sundays. And when asked if I was going to do a race, I said, oh, no, I work on a Sunday, and I would hide behind that. Or when asked what I do, I would say, oh, I work with children. I'm now being much more open, much braver in talking about why Sunday is important to me, why I'm not just going to go and do that race on all of the Sundays. I talk about what I do with children. I talk about what we're doing with the hub. And I talk about how being a Christian makes a difference in the ups and downs of my life. I shouldn't be surprised, but I continuously am at how people are then responding and opening up. And I get to the end of a run and I just think, wow, thank you, God, that that gave that person an opportunity to share something from their past or their present. So enough about my journey. I just want to share the thing, the first thing that I read that really excited me and really got my heart racing and that started to reinforce what God was doing. So in one of the books Keith lent me, it said, God has a dream for his world, which is about the redemption of all creation to restore life as he intended it to be by realigning life around God and God's ways. Exciting, isn't it? God's got a dream and God calls us, to his people, to embody that dream. Jesus, when he came to earth, he embodied God's dream in the world. And in John 20, he sent his disciples out to do the same. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then in Acts 1, Jesus again sends his followers out to embody his, God's dream when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I love in that verse, you've got the local, the national, and the international call to mission. Mission used to be a bit like me, thinking about the international, but it also used to be about crossing oceans, jungles, deserts, to those unreached places. 
but it's also about crossing the streets of our cities, our towns, and our neighborhoods. It's about crossing the gap wherever God has placed us. How cool is it that God chooses you and me, as imperfect as we are, to embody his dream, to be an agent in his mission, to be his hands and his feet in the world. And so we embody God's dream for the world in three ways, by pointing people to God, by being a contrast to the world around us, and by living out distinctively Christian values and practices. For past generations, church buildings would have been a sign of God's activity and life within a church. The architecture would communicate to people of God's greatness. But nowadays, churches are seen by most people as local local historical and cultural landmarks that have no meaning other to that. God never intended for those buildings to be what pointed to him, but for us, his people, to be that sign. So as we show hospitality, forgiveness, self-sacrificial love, as we break down social barriers, the people that we are doing life with in our homes, streets, schools, colleges, workplaces, coffee shops, gyms, churches, wherever we are, those people will start to take notice. Some of the people that we've been helping in the hub, in fact, most of them we didn't know, and Most of that was because they didn't have family or friends around to help them. And one of the questions that we've been repeatedly asked is, why would you do this for me? You didn't even know me. And that's given great opportunities to be able to explain to them what we were doing and why we were doing it. We've also had conversations with some of their families who aren't local who phoned up to find out more about who we are. So it's when those watching us see that we love God and that we love others, we can have conversations about what the gospel means in respect of all the questions and challenges that the world is facing today. Coming back to what Emily said earlier, we've not only been saved from the mess of our own sin, but we have been saved for a life the way God intended us to be in the midst of the mess of the world. It's scary stuff. It's risky. I certainly still don't find it easy. When we're on short-term international trips, it can be a little bit easier because we're not going to see those people again. But when we're in our home context, we're going to. We're going to have questions like, what if they think I'm crazy? What if they say no when I offer to pray with them? But what if they say yes? What if this is the moment that God has chosen for them to hear a message of hope, love, forgiveness, or whatever it is that he wants them to hear in that moment? What if we are the person that God has chosen at that moment to show his love to that person? When I was training for my first marathon, I bought a a sweatshirt that said, what if I can't do it? But it had the T crossed out, so it said, what if I can do it? By crossing out that last letter, it changed that statement from a negative to a positive. It changed it from a barrier to an opportunity. We only have to read our Bibles and look back through church history to see time and time again God working through his people as they responded to his call to live differently. 
In Acts 6, the widows were being overlooked in the distribution of food. So they chose Stephen and six other men to go out. They prayed for them, then sent them out to serve those widows. The early Christians stayed in their towns and cities when sickness and disease broke out to care for the sick, unlike the Romans, who ran away as fast as they could to save their own lives. So the Christians soon became known as being the ones who attended to the needs of others before themselves. The more we go out and live differently amongst the people that we have connections and relationships with, the more stories of God's faithfulness, of what God has done through us, we are going to have. And they're stories that, yes, they will spur us on and encourage us the next time we might be asking those questions. But those stories will also then encourage others who might be, oh, I don't know that I can do this. Jim said I was going to refer to the just do it phrase. Our stories could be that thing that encourages somebody to just do it. God has equipped us with all of the gifts that we need to go out and be his witnesses by embodying his dream for the world and to point people to him by living as a contrast to those around us. The church of God doesn't have a mission, but the God of mission has a church. And as God's people, his church, we are called to stop, to ask and to listen to how God is calling us as individuals to join him in his vision, in his mission, to embody his dream for the world in the context he has placed us in. So this morning, are we each brave enough to ask God how he is calling me to be an agent in his mission? To ask him, where can I embody God's dream for the world? Or how am I going to be God's hands and feet? We're going to pray in a moment, and then I'm going to hand over to the worship band. But just ponder over those questions, just to see if God's giving you an answer or pointing you in any direction. So let's pray. Thank you, God, that you love the world so much that your dream is to redeem, to restore, and to realign all of your creation. Thank you that as imperfect as I am, you call me to join you as an agent in your mission. I'm sorry for the times when my fear or my doubts get in the way and stop me from being obedient to your call. Thank you that you equip me and are always with me as I go out to embody your dream. Show me where you are calling me to be your hands and feet. Show me the people amongst whom you want me to be your witness. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Amen.